Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello and welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number three. Today, we'll be talking hunting stories, sound concealment tips, strategies, and products with Adam Lewis, founder and CEO of Sound Barrier and SoundBarrierHunting.com. All right, welcome to the Truth From The Stand podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you are listening to episode number three, where today uh, we're going to be talking with Adam Lewis, who is the founder and CEO of SoundBarrierHunting.com. We'll be discussing uh, a variety of different sound concealment uh, tips, strategies, and I believe some products that his uh, company is beginning to come out with uh, within that realm. But first, before we uh, get Adam on the line here, uh, as always, I'm joined with my co-host, the uh, infamous, sometimes, Phil Marchek. What's going on, Phil? Not much. That's uh, infamous. That's up for debate, I think. But uh, <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, well. You, you live in infamy on the softball field, I, from what I understand. That's pretty much where it ends, actually. It's just on that field, and then as soon as I step off, it's, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know the last time you and I talked was uh, right before the uh, 4th of July weekend, and if I'm not mistaken, you had a, uh, you had a big birthday this weekend. Yeah, we um so it was kind of it was a medium sized birthday, let's put it that way. We're we're splitting up the parties between uh families just because of logistics and, and other plans this year. So yeah. It was Ava's uh part one of her birthday this weekend at uh, my parents' house and uh you know, I was excited to get back up there just to see ultimately how overgrown everything was. <laughs> right. Yeah. And how much how much work I actually had to do, um, you know, in in the next couple weeks, maybe a month. And so I go to get the quad out, and my dad was saying, ah, I couldn't get to jump, I couldn't get to start, and he was all worried about it. I was like, Dad, did you turn the fuel line on? <laughs> <laughs> and he just looks at me and, you know, curses under his breath. And yeah, these damn combustion <laughs> engines with their fuel needs. Yeah, so so I go down, um, and I see, like, you know, both the front tires are low, they got to be pumped up. I just pull it out. 
I go to I go to start it. It's not starting. I'm like, wow, maybe he was right. And I look at the fuel line. It was like it's on reserve, so that's weird. And then I just I literally look into the fuel tank and it's empty, just Ooh. bare, bone stark, Ooh. dry. Yeah, that's not so, good. Yeah, know. that's never that's never a good sign. Yeah, but well, you we, know, at least it's not like a seized piston or something. It's, right, it's quick fix. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I uh. I've ruined a few ATVs in my day. Um, <laughs> I got one. I got one stuck under the water, uh, which was great. Um, yeah, I was a kid. I was uh, I was tearing through a, a stream, and uh, yeah, the bottom dropped out right where nice. I, I I wasn't aware of it, and I uh, I rolled the three wheeler. And this is how old we are, right? I had three, a three wheeler. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I rolled the three wheeler underwater, and then I think I was eleven, maybe. You know, so I had no no understanding of mechanics and combustion engines. So, you know, um, being 11, you know, the best case scenario would have been left to leave the three wheeler running underwater and try Hopefully it just stays on, you know, mm-hmm. and then go get my stepdad and, you know, try to pull it out. But, uh, I thought the smart thing to do would be to shut it off. Mm, so fill, fill up the engine. Yeah. With water, yeah. So yeah. we, we filled up the engine entirely. That's not the first run in that three wheeler had with the uh, water. It actually fell through, uh, ice in a pond and was pulled out in a, as a block of ice. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't me. That was my stepdad that actually uh, did that one. But <laughs> since the last time you and I talked, I didn't have any, um, I, st- I stuck around the, 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 the Philadelphia area this week and uh, Anna had a, a play. So I was at a, uh, a little kid's musical yesterday, mm. um, which was, yeah, yeah, absolutely lovely. It's uh, super cute, but quite a disaster. <laughs> super cute disaster yeah it's a super cute disaster and then the other part of this weekend i was uh i've been kind of truck truck hunting mm, um, that's right yeah I, which I is heard you were talking about that yeah thinking yeah it through which is you know i i hate shopping for cars in general um but you know we'll we'll leave that for a topic for another time <laughs> but over the 4th of July weekend i did make it back to the uh to the farm and got to pull some camera cards i haven't shared any pictures or anything yet on on the site or on on social media um the reason being is like a lot of the pictures that i got uh weren't um of stellar quality mm. you kind of have to they're kind of far away you have to really zoom in to, to get a look at what you have but right. there's a few that we have that are um that are showing promise um so i'm encouraged by that um the one looks to be like he could he could turn into something nice he's looking like he's probably an eight point now but super wide super high um definitely beginning to get a sense of buck fever recently with all the uh, <laughs> the velvet porn if you will that right. that i'm seeing on social media you know it's, it's so soft it's <laughs> it's so soft and it's so it's nice so um you know but there's always a sense of uh uh, disappointment maybe even sometimes i'm not sure if that's the right word but uh you know i see some of these guys that are you know there's one guy in particular that i that i talked to on uh, online social media he follows the blog and the podcast really good guy um lives in iowa um hopefully we'll at some point have him on here to tell us some uh, some of his hunting stories but uh you know he and i chat quite a bit and he shot me some velvet pictures uh, that he had that he just pulled in terms of camera oh man it's it 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 makes me want to cry a little bit on the inside because it's like I'm looking at him and he's you know we were talking about what we were trying to age him essentially you know this right. time of year it's really hard to kind of to age to a degree because you know all the deer are just kind of thin they got their their uh, summer bodies on they're not really yeah you know they're not in that rut phase where their necks are all blown out looking mm-hmm. like a hoss so they're kind of tough to age but 
he sent me four pictures and he was like, what are you thinking, you know, for age on these things? And we, we both kind of agreed the one was a two year old, but I mean, the, the, it was a two year old that was an eight point that in Pennsylvania, I mean, you would have, you would have fallen over yourself to, to shoot that deer, you know, yeah. and out there, that's just a complete, you know, let it, let it slide for another two years. <laughs> and then there was one that was a four year old that just looked like he'd been drinking PBR for the past three years straight with a big old pot <laughs> belly on him. <laughs> You know, where it's main beams as big as my forearm. Yeah, he was he was he was a definite hoss, you know, and he and he made the mention where he was like, yeah, you know, I agree. That those are probably the same ages I was thinking of. He was like, you know, unfortunately, I haven't found any of the mature bucks that I'm looking for yet was kind of what he was saying. And I'm like, man, it's like in, in, Pen- in Pennsylvania, <laughs> if I missed out of my tree stand, I may attempt to throw myself onto the deer as it went by <laughs> to try to stop it, you know, Um but yeah, so you know, a little bit of envy, envy there. Uh, right. But you know, that was really all I had going on for the fourth. I did some, I did some farm work. You know, did the normal, checked all the camera cards, freshened up mineral stations, uh, mowed the clover field, as that seems to be like a a bi monthly occurrence for me yep. at, at the farm. Um, the other exciting thing, I don't know if I know I told you, but I don't know if I shared it on the podcast or not that I, I did finally get my license for Ohio. So yeah, yeah, you did. I think you did share it on the podcast or no, you were, you said you were going to. Yeah. Yeah. I thought so. So I finally did that. I locked that in. So I'm locked in for the Ohio trip. I now just need to, uh, figure out what the dates are, um, that I'm going to head out there and do some scouting. Um, haven't quite figured that out yet, but the big, big news for me, um, this past week, and I won't share a ton of the details quite honestly, because I don't have a ton of the details yet. Um, and I don't want to count chickens before they're hatched, um, so to speak. But, you know, while I was home on the 4th, like the big the big unveiling was I, I went to a, the, the local racetrack and was hanging out with my cousin. We were having some, some beers around the tailgate and we were just talking about, uh, you know, hunting and stuff. And he's a big time bow hunter and has been, you know, all of his life. And he takes a ton. I won't say a ton of trips, but he usually makes like one or two trips a year. And, and, mm-hmm. and he's a straight DIY guy where he does everything DIY, um, which is awesome he goes you know last year i think he went to kansas and and hunted and he saw some nice bucks didn't get anything and then he goes if not yearly he goes you know every other year to to montana and and chases elk in september um and we were kind of talking about that the last time he was out which i think was last year he took a nice bull and it's all Mm -hmm. public land diy hunt and so we were talking about that and i was mentioning how much i'd like to go do that uh that's just one thing i haven't had a chance to go do yet and uh you know, it was set, you know he, he had mentioned, you know, maybe you should tag along sometime and, you know, go out with the, the group of guys he goes out with. And he was showing me some of the pictures on his phone from him and his buddies last hunt. And he was telling me the guy's name. And I'm looking at the pictures. I'm like, man, this guy looks awfully familiar. And uh, so the, the races are over. We say goodbye. You know, I didn't get to see him the, the you know, the, the rest of the weekend. But, you know, we, we text quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> Sunday comes around. And I go to this Fourth uh, of July party with my mom. And there's this guy that's there that we're and we're playing cornhole. And we're standing there talking about elk hunting and just hunting in general. And this dude's a big time hunter. I've seen him out at you know my uh, at my parents' uh, friends' uh, barn. You know that's basically a man cave where they have these barbecues and such. He always has like a, a Matthews hat on or a Matthews <laughs> shirt or you know he's just he's just a Got big time that. yeah he's just a, a big time hunter. Um, and I, I know that about him. All those guys that we hang out with out at that barbecue are big big time hunters. And uh, 
we started talking about elk hunting and whitetail hunting and, and stuff like that. And he was really kind of going on about his whitetail hunt and mentioned that he, you know, goes to Montana every year and he goes out with a friend of his and started showing me pictures of like their, their hunt. Right. And I'm looking at the pictures. I'm like, man, these look almost like the pictures I saw yesterday. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I go out and I hunt, you know, every year with a, a good friend of mine. He's like, do you, and he told me the guy's name and I looked at him. I was like, that's my cousin and i was just talking to him last night about going to montana he's like no way so we we might have had a couple couple beverages so the conversation was very broken and choppy Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) so it basically came out oh you hunt me too elk yeah montana we should do that yeah so i didn't think anything of it i left and then monday morning or tuesday morning because i was off on monday tuesday morning he calls me i'm in the middle of a meeting at work my phone rings i see my hometown area code so i pick it up run out of the meeting because I didn't know if someone needed something back home. And it's him calling me saying, hey, man, it was good talking to you the other night, you know, talking about elk hunting. You know, you should totally go out with us. I'm always looking for yeah, a you guy. In? <laughs> I'm always looking for a guy who's like in shape and can run the mountains with me. And, uh, you know, so I talked to him for a half hour and skipped out on part of that meeting. <laughs> um, and uh, and so, yeah, so now it turns out that, uh, you know, I talked it over the, with the wife and stuff, and it looks like I'm going to be, not this year, obviously, but uh, next September, I'm going to be going to uh, Montana for a uh, public land DIY elk hunt with those guys. Solid. Yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty pumped about that. Um, and those guys, you know, they, they do it the way I've envisioned doing it. Um, which is, you know, they drive out there, they take a canvas tent with a, mm-hmm. with a wood burning stove. Um, they set up shop, you know, and uh, along a ridge that they, they've been going out, I guess for about six years now. I think this year will be their seventh year and who, someone in the party every year gets, gets an elk. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they stay out there for two weeks and, and chase elk for two weeks in September and just wow. and hike the mountains every day. And, um, you know, and try to get it done. So, I mean, that's the experience I've been really kind of looking for. Um, you that's know, awesome. I, I was actually going to ask you, uh, you know, how long do they go out for? And you just said two weeks. Yeah, it's two it's weeks. Like, it's a two week trip. But I mean, of course, you know, you have like a good solid, you know, they usually, they're crazy, man. The last time they went, they drove it straight through Pennsylvania to Montana, just taking oh, wow. turns driving. Yeah. Cause that's, I want to say when I looked, that's about a 40 hour trip. Um, so it'd be a good solid, you know, two and a half. Mm-hmm you know, three days, I think it was around 36 hours. So I think it's a, yeah, two and a half, three day, three days of driving roughly, you know, depending, depending on how you break it up, if you break it up. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, so they usually go out for two weeks. So I'm pretty pumped about that. So, you know, I, I, uh, which all, you know, then you and I began to talk about that now necessitates me having some type of, uh, wildlife predator protection since it's a bow hunt. I guess I should make that clear. It's a, it's a bow hunt, you know, it's September, it's a bow hunt. Um, so I'm uh, looking at some 44 mag revolvers to take out as uh, as predator protection, which just gives me a great reason to buy a uh, a nice handgun uh, that I've been looking to buy for a couple years, but really couldn't uh, provide any substantiation as to why I should buy it. But it's really easy to sell to the wife when I say this might be what keeps me from being mauled by a grizzly. Excuse you- creation. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen The Revenant? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seen that. yeah, let's not have that happen. You should show that to your wife. Yeah, we watched it. That was my, oh, good. Uh, yeah, okay. that was my uh, like uh, my my prelude to my. So I should have this gun <laughs> <laughs> because he did not. Yeah, he he would have been in much better shape. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, but our, our our goal here today, or the the topic at hand today, is really sound concealment, and we're gonna, as I mentioned at the top here, we're gonna be talking to Adam Lewis. So I think um, at this point seems like a good time to go ahead and to give him a buzz and, and get Adam on the line here and, and talk about sound concealment and see, uh, 
and see what those folks have to offer us in terms of uh, tips and strategies. And I know they're starting to come out with some some products as well. And you know, looking forward to having this conversation. Adam's one of those guys I've talked to for a little while online. Um, just now seemed to be the right time where our schedules matched up to where we could get on the on the horn. So if you're good with that, Phil, we'll go ahead and give Adam a buzz and get him on the horn. Let's make it happen. All right. All right, we're back, and we're joined by Adam Lewis from Sound Barrier and SoundBarrierHunting.com. Want to thank you, Adam, for joining us. I know that we had a little bit of a technical difficulty and a delay. The the podcast has been a a little bit of a long time coming here uh, between our uh, technical difficulties and getting our schedules aligned, but I appreciate you hanging in there and and making some time to chat. So uh, how you been? Been good, Clint. Um, Thanks for having me. It's great to be on, and uh, congrats to you guys getting your podcast up and going and i hope it really uh, takes off for you i appreciate it yeah and uh like i was saying it's been a little while coming for us to get together and you know truth be told uh, adam was aware of uh the, the the forthcoming podcast um before most people did we started this conversation traded some text messages and some some phone calls um you know so i have a little bit of background on adam but you know adam for the folks who are listening in uh, could you give us just a little bit of background on yourself you know where you're from um you know a little bit a little bit about yourself Sure. Well, I grew up in Michigan um, and, you know, grew up around a hunting family, around a hunting tradition. Michigan is, you know, has a great hunting tradition, uh, good and bad. The bad part being there's a ton of hunters and a lot of hunting pressure. Right. But the good part is, you know, I grew up around it and it's, you know, just kind of in the culture in a lot of ways up here. Um so grew up around it at 12 years old, you know, couldn't wait to get out the first time and go bow hunting and just, you know, been in love with it well before that um, and been doing it the last 24 years or so. Um, learned a lot along the way. Um, but yeah, grew up in it and, you know, as an adult, my career has kind of been in education. Um, also, you know, got into outdoor writing and those have all kind of come together here and, um just starting a company now too to help hunters as well so uh i guess that's a brief background of <laughs> my right. my life and hunting and and all that right nice yeah i mean i know that you know during some of our conversations we talked a, a little bit about hunting even the you know the pre-chat we talked a little bit you know touching on how far i might have to drive and so forth to get to uh to get to our hunting ground and i can totally uh understand growing up in a state with a heavy hunting uh culture and i completely agree with you it's good and bad has its positive points which is you know it's pretty well accepted and uh there's never a loss for to find folks you know to share the uh to share the experiences with but at the same time you know that hunting pressure does get uh does get pretty insane but you know speaking of of hunting and just in general you know i always kind of like to ask folks uh you know what their 2015 season was like and i'm gonna hope that yours might be a little bit better than mine which was spent mostly just sweating in some heat in uh, November in a tree stand. How was uh, your 2015 season? Um, it was, it was good and bad. You know, I did some of that sweating too. Right. Um, I did, you know, a lot of sitting in a tree and that's, you know, that's, that's being out there. Right. I mean, that's a big part of the hunt, just going out and, uh, enjoying nature. And, um, but I was able to early season. So I hunt in Ohio and Michigan, uh, early season, uh, which would be late September, was able to take a doe in Ohio. That was great. Nice. I took a pretty decent buck here in Michigan in late October, uh, which was pretty cool. Uh, my dad has a little property, and that's actually the property I hunted since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I was able to take that deer on that land, and I didn't realize it till, uh I actually you know, got done 
uh, taking care of the deer and everything. That was the first deer I shot there in probably about ten years. So, oh wow, that was that was pretty cool. You know, it was it was a good season. Um, in those regards, it didn't turn out real well as far as filling my buck tag in Ohio. Uh, mm-hmm. The long story, but again, gets back to that whole uh, competition with other hunters type thing. So. It's just right. I mean, something you have to live with, but uh, in the end, you know, I was able to put some meat in the freezer, so it was it was good. Right, meat in the freezer is always a good thing. I might have to uh, pick your brain a little bit about the Ohio trip. Uh, this year will be my first year heading to the heading to the Buckeye State. Okay, um, yeah, looking forward to it. Doing a DIY public land hunt, uh, you know, first trip there. Looking forward to it. Having trying to have uh, modest expectations, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, and obviously understand probably run into some hunters along the way. But as you said, that's just kind of a par for the course in the game that we play. And, uh, you know, you take the good with the bad. And my opinion, any day in a tree stands better than any day uh, just about anywhere else. So we'll take it. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, I know, you know, in some of our pre-conversation, you know, you and I traded some discussion just you know i know that you have a background in music obviously you have a background in science you know i have a background in uh in in music um and i was just curious to what prompted you to think about sound differently in the hunting woods because you would think you know you know at least me when i think of myself with a a background in audio and and music that that would probably be something you would assume that i'd be pretty well tuned into whenever i go to the hunting woods and and it is in terms of what's making noise around me um, but I can't say that I'm super uh, cognizant of the noise that I'm making. Um, you know, I'm not focused on it, you know, so I'm just curious to know, you know, what, what prompted you to think about it a little bit differently? Well, I think it's just a combination of a few things. First, I think I'm just a perfectionist, um, which can be good and can be bad. You can drive yourself right. crazy with things, but just, I think built up frustration over time with having busted hunts, having noises that I've made that I know ruin hunts or that I really think, you know, kind of ruined a hunt or hunting area. And just that frustration over time, because really noise is something that I think a lot of people don't think about because they've just accepted that they're going to make a noise and noises and sometimes a bunch of noise. And they just, they just hope that it doesn't screw up their hunts. And, and sometimes it doesn't and they're successful, but a lot of the time it does, and it's just something that's hard to get around and avoid. So um, ultimately, it's just been frustration from, you know, just crunching leaves that we all do walking in and out or just noisy equipment, you know, clanging and banging stuff. And just, you know, one errant noise can screw everything up. Right. Was there was there any one particular instance that you were like, you know, when it happened, you were like, look, this – I this I had this experience and this is the straw that broke the camel's back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24/7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Yeah, I would say there's a few. One I can remember in particular, um, I do some public land hunting. And because of a lot of the pressure, there's there's some good deer on public land. It's just they're just very hard to hunt. And you have to get pretty much right in on top of them, right in their bedding areas. And so um, I was removing a stand uh, back in this deep deep in the woods in this bedding area 
removing the stand and, you know, some clang the stand or the stick or something. And probably about 40 yards away, I never saw it, but this really big heavy deer jumped up and ran off. <laughs> and it was just, you know, just had a sinking feeling, you know, uh, knowing that, okay, I kind of messed up that area. That that deer, I assumed it was a buck, right. is now going somewhere else and having a new home. Mm-hmm. And so it was just that frustration. I was like, okay, what could I do to to change this? What can I do to get past this big problem of making noise and, you know, that screwing up punts and uh, decreasing success. So, right. And that, and that mention of that heavy deer, it's, you know, for folks who have deer hunted, you know, long enough, it's, you know, you, you come, you get accustomed to hearing uh, a deer's, you know, footprints or hoof prints coming. And it's, I can't really tell the difference until I hear it, but a buck definitely makes a distinctively different sound, at least in my mind, when it's approaching than a doe. So it's like I I don't doubt for a moment that what you heard was probably you know spooking a buck out of his bedding area that that day, at least in my mind. And it was right. at least enough to to really just push it over the edge, and you're just like okay. And I think everybody has to get to that point when it is dealing with sound. You know, we'll talk about this, but you get to the point where like okay, this is a problem. And I have, I need to do something about it. You know, you reach that breaking point right. and we all do. And we have to make a decision to, okay, somehow come up with a solution. And so that's kind of where I got. And that's kind of what got me started with coming up with tips and writing articles mm-hmm. about it. And also, you know, developing some products to help with that too. All right. So, you know, I, I have a, I have a piece here that I want to get into here in a couple of minutes where I want to kind of walk through some of the sounds, but you know, there was something I was watching through or listening through and watching some of your videos and obviously was spending some time on your site, you know, learning some, you know, taking some tips for myself selfishly, but obviously a little bit of homework getting ready to, to talk to you. So I come in uh, with, with some knowledge. Um, but I was, I was curious in, in terms of what types of things impact sound, right? Cause I know just from like an audio perspective, you know, if I were miking up a drum kit, you know, the different types of baffling and stuff like that you can do can heavily impact how something sounds or, you know, the, the ambient temperature in a room, you know, whenever you're working with instruments can impact sound and so forth. So I'm curious if these things play a role also in the hunting woods. And if so, you know, what are some of those things, you know, whether it's temperature, wind, et cetera, and you know, what type of influence do they have? Yeah. I mean, they make a big difference. Um, you know, under calm, you know, perfect conditions, really crisp morning, those days that we want to be out hunting where it's nice and chilly. Um, those days, obviously, sound is going to travel the furthest. And it, it those are the days we want to be out there. And they're also the hardest to get out to your stand and to be quiet because noise, cause noises can travel so far. Right. There, there are a lot of things that do affect it. Wind, wind direction, temperature does. Um, mm-hmm. just, uh, topographic features, hills and things like that, mm-hmm. um, foliage and just how thick, you know, woods or brush or different things might be, those all can affect it. Um, mm-hmm. so it's really hard to make very, uh, specific and, you know, comments or talk about sound and every time it's exactly like this because, there's right. so many factors, but there are generalizations you can make about it um, and, you know, how far sound can travel and deer hearing that, you know, just based on 
physics of sound and those type of things. So, yeah, a lot of things can definitely affect it. But we can also use some of those things to our advantage, too, uh, when hunting to, again, fool a deer and, you know, be unheard by deer. Right, because I think I think you know I don't want to want to speak for you necessarily, but I think what you're kind of talking to, and this is one of the things that I found kind of interesting. It was one of those moments um, where, for me, where it might actually be a bit of a game changer for me coming up this this coming season. And it was talking about cover sound. Um, you know, we use cover scents and and, and so forth to try to uh, you know hide our scent from deer or, or eliminate to a degree our scent from a from a deer's nose but whenever you started talking about cover sound it made me kind of stop and think because i was like wow you know there's plenty of cover sound around where where i hunt and you know with heavy ag land especially if you're moving midday um because there's plenty of, of farm work and atvs and tractors and stuff running to where i could use that to my advantage and it really never dawned on me until i listened to one of your videos or was watching one of your videos and you had mentioned that can you speak just a little bit about cover sound and how how you might be able to use that sure yeah so you know, through this process, I kind of came up with these different, what I call rules of sound concealment. And it's just, you know, like you said, you have scent concealment. We've all uh, used that before, uh, you know, cover scents. And we can do the same thing with, with sounds, with noise that is in the environment that we can use to cover noise we make. You know, it's it's sound masking, right? Right. Uh, we have camouflage for ourselves. We can camouflage sound we make too. So, Cover sounds are really everywhere, and it's. I'm I'm sure. I, I mean, I'm guessing this, but I would think you know, Indians would probably use this back in the day. And it's really being in tune with your environment. So examples of this: um, some are extreme and some are very subtle. But an extreme example would be like wind. On a real windy day, we probably all realize this. You can sneak in and out really easily. Because wind blowing through leaves, blowing through trees makes so much noise that it really will mask a lot of and cover a lot of the noise that we make. Right. So, so that's a good one. Um, it might not be the best to hunt in, but especially if you're hanging stands, like you find a good spot, you want to get in there and hang a stand, but you don't want to screw it up because you know you're going to have about, you know, that, that first hunt is your best chance. Right. So you don't want to screw it up when you're hanging a stand and blow it right there. So if you can wait to a windy day or a rainy day, use that cover sound to get in there and hang a stand. They, you know, that really helps a lot to conceal and cover noise you're making. So that'd be cover sound. But you can also use things like, you know, a plane flying overhead. You really, you know, as you're making each step through the woods and I would say be real careful and go slowly as you're making your way through the woods you can utilize like a plane flying overhead to conceal and cover steps you're taking. And just those little things can go a long ways to really increasing your stealth and uh, your success at the end of the day um, because because of it. Right, yeah. I mean, I 100% agree with you. And you're probably right there where, uh, you know, the Native Americans probably were using this cover sound, you know, for their their hunting tactics and so forth. And I, I'm 100% going to employ it this year minus minus the loincloth probably. Unless, you know, it depends. Yeah. If we have the heat we had last year, I might bust hey, out the loincloth. Go with it, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, whenever we're talking about sound traveling, you know, some of the stuff I was, you know, looking at on your site that was – was really interesting was just the distance that some of these smaller sounds make like some of the examples i remember you kind of sharing uh, in some of your tip segments was things as simple as 
um, zipping up a zipper on your jacket or buttoning a button on your jacket or zipping up, you know, a zipper on your bag. And the type, you know, when we hear it, we don't think of it being all that obtrusive. But whenever we, I was looking at the scales or the charts you were that you, you share on your site, it's pretty astounding how far those small sounds travel and how much impact they can have. Can you just talk a little bit about some examples of of certain sounds that you guys were, were testing and doing research with and how far those sounds project? Yeah, we, we tested a couple dozen what we call hunter noises, which are just typical things that hunters are gonna noises hunters are gonna make in the woods, whether it be, you know, crunching leaves, breaking branches or clanging typical equipment like tree stands and stuff. And we really looked at, okay, how loud is this and how far can this travel? And really the distance it travels is really just a physics equation that you can plug in and figure out. Um, It is going to, like we said, it is going to depend on conditions. So, you know, this is looking at under calm, clear conditions where there's a low ambient noise, which would just be background noise, you know, Mm -hmm. So perfect conditions, noises can travel real far. And so we found things like, for example, a zipper uh, can travel over 100 yards. Um, And again, you know, how close do we really hunt to deer? A lot of times we're pretty close or closer than we think to deer. And so that can make a difference. Um, Things like, let's see here, Walking in dry grasses or leaves, things like that, can travel over 250 yards. Um, excuse me, dry leaves wow. over dry leaves up to 500 yards, and you might think that is wow, does it really travel that far? But if you really think about it, when we're out in a tree stand on those clear days, uh, even at night, like when we're walking out, like. You can hear neighborhood sounds. If you hunt near mm-hmm. a neighborhood or anything, a road, you can hear those an awful long ways. I know I've heard things half a mile, a mile away that aren't really that loud, but they can really carry. And so when we're making these noises that we tested, you know, are 70, 80 decibels in our hunting area, you know, things like if you clang a piece of metal like from your climbing stick, that could travel <laughs> half a mile. Right, you might as well be standing there ringing a bell. <laughs> right, and so the big ones obviously matter, and we probably, you know, everybody would cringe at those, I would hope. But even right. the small ones, like a zipper, like a button, they can travel 100 yards or so, you know, those can matter too because deer are so in tune to their environment, and when something odd is there, like, they know. And, and right. they're, gonna, they're not going to really tolerate something that uh, shouldn't be there. So Right. Yeah, I mean it's incredible whenever you say some of those some of those distances. Like for example, when you mentioned the dry leaves, two hundred and fifty yards. I mean, if you're if you're coming into a tree stand and you're sitting, you know, one hundred and fifty yards off of a food source, and those deer happen to be in that food source when you're coming in, I mean, you're you've you've already blown them out before you've even gotten your stand. Um, yeah. Some you know a button, you know, it's a. Uh, Every every guy in a tree stand has gone through this. You're sitting in your uh, you're sitting in your stand. And you have to go to the bathroom. You think, all right, I'm going to go now. If there's a deer 100 yards away from you, <laughs> that zipper's blown him out. <laughs> uh, it could you know and right again. There's you know different different conditions, but you know it's the idea that these things do matter right. and they can make the difference in a successful hunt or not, or uh, you know ruining your area or not for the season. So. Right. Uh, the really important things to keep in mind of and I guess just make people aware, make us all aware of how important that is. And we probably all, if you think about when you're out hunting and you are observing deer, 
And a lot of times you'll see them look somewhere and but you don't know what they're looking at. But obviously they've heard something. Right. And then, you know, a few minutes later, another deer comes or, you know, whatever it might be, you finally see it. And you're like, wow, that deer heard that. And so mm-hmm. think about that with noises that you make. Um, right. The the ear is a real trigger to them. And I wrote a whole article on this about it's a trigger sense that really tr- triggers their eyeballs. Wow. Um, and so it's super important that we don't make that noise and that we can get past the rears to have a chance, you know. Right. Yeah. As you know, as I know, you and I kind of talked, you know, even, uh, you know, prior to the, the podcast and, and just, you know, that that's one third of their defense mechanisms. And we're really leaving 33 percent of um, of our success up to chance, um, right. which, you know, mo- most people wouldn't take those odds with just about anything else, you know. So right. um, the one thing I wanted to do that I thought might be fun um, and interesting is just kind of take take a walk through the woods with Adam Lewis, if we will, um, just to kind of see at the different stages of a hunt, you know, what are some tips at those different points, um, that we could, uh, employ to, to help with our sound concealment and reduce our sound. So one, let's just kind of imagine for a moment that we're going on a, on a hunt together and we're getting out of our truck. Cause one of the things that drives me crazy is whenever guys get out of a truck to go hunt and they slam the car door (laughs) it's the one you know it's one of those things where it's just like i cringe i'm like all right so we spent all this time scouting checking cameras and it's like you know five o'clock in the morning we're just going to go ahead and slam the car door you know outside of where we're trying to enter the woods yeah Um, we don't want we don't want it to be too easy you know Right. So <laughs> you know, we want to give them a fighting chance, I guess. Yeah. So that's just, you know, at the truck, we're getting our gear out. Obviously, that's kind of a noisy thing. You're pulling stuff out of the bed. So is, are there any tips just for like that first initial, like that's not screw it up while we're still in the parking lot moment? Yeah, I would say the prep starts now. Like we're in the middle of summer and, you know, I'll give a little plug for a product we just came out. Yeah. With, but, you know, you have to prep your equipment right now. You have to think ahead of these things, like what you're going to do when you pull up there, when you pull your equipment as you're walking in. And even before that, when you're hanging these stands, you know, how are you going to be quiet? And I think that's a big part of it is just mentally preparing um, ahead of time and preparing your equipment. So, you know, we have these products that we just came out with. uh, One's called Buck Bumper. One's Mm -hmm. called Buck Bumper Thick. And they basically soundproof your equipment because you are going to make contact with them at some point. Right. And when you do that, and it's metal equipment a lot of times or plastic that's hollow and echoes, um, mm-hmm. it's that noise is going to travel a long ways. It's unnatural. And, you know, that could be the little thing that makes or breaks your hunt. So right. I think it's preparing ahead of time. So soundproofing your equipment, thinking about going through all of it. And if it's something that you you kind of have to weigh the cost, like what is this, I'd call the noise cost of this um, piece of equipment. And if it's something that could potentially ruin a hunt, then I'd say, well, maybe you should leave it at home or find a way to soundproof it so it can't, you know, cost you a hunt. Um, or your whole season really is what it gets down to. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you don't definitely want to, 
don't want to blow up the spot before you even get a chance to see what's uh, what might be waiting in, in the timber. So let's let's move from the from the truck um, and let's talk about you know any tips or, or suggestions that you have once we start entering the woods because this is something that I think probably everybody struggles with. Um, you know, once you hit the timber, it's like you can do the prep at the you know at the trucker you know preseason uh, with your gear and so forth but what are some things you can do you know whenever you're entering a stand and you're in the timber and in that environment to reduce your sound i know cover sound was one thing we talked about but what are some of the other things that you can do uh, to help reduce sound on the entrance into the, your stand yeah i mean cover sounds a big one being in tune with your environment and right along with that um is uh, sound concealment rule number three which is go slow like mm-hmm. a lot of guys get there too quick and this you know just from if you think about it you're gonna you're going through leaves you're going through potential branches and things that are underfoot and that are scraping against you and the faster you go the more opportunity you have to make mistakes like mm-hmm. break a branch and it just you're making more noise by doing it faster anyway so one rule i have is go slow and called the rule of halves and basically Mm -hmm. take the time that it takes you normally to get your stand let's say it's 10 minutes and double it so take 20 minutes and by doing that you can generally decrease the noise you're making by about half because you're uh being more cautious you're not you know you're looking at each step as you go in and really saying okay is that going to make noise or not and you're picking your steps well um mm-hmm. hopefully you have you know kind of a blazed trail that's down to dirt but right sometimes we can't do that so you're really picking each step and taking the time to really think about those and plan those ahead as you're walking in and by doing that and also slowing down each step you're decreasing you know the 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 amount of impact you have, for example, was you crunch leaves. If you crunch a bunch of leaves underfoot all at once, you have like all those individual crunches at one time. And that's going to be louder than if you right. do it real slow and spread it out over time, it's going it's not going to be as loud. So right. just some very basic things like going slow and, you know, using again that cover sound uh, when it's afforded to you by, you know, Mother Nature is going to really decrease what I call your noise uh, footprint, so to say. And, you know, don't be in a rush getting in there. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny because that was one of the things, you know, I've heard different people's, you know, different takes on how to, how to enter your stand. You know, essentially some guys say you should just run straight to your stand and get there as quickly as you can and you're going to make noise. But I'm kind of falling to the same camp as you where, for a couple of reasons, I'm willing to kind of go slower. One is I don't want to make as much sound. And I think that you make a great point there, you know, and I think just in life in general, we're always in a rush, you know, hunting's one of those things where I don't want to rush. <laughs> so right. I'm happy, happy to take it slow. Um, the other thing that I know that I saw on one of your, um, well, I think it was one of your videos you were talking about, and you even mentioned it just briefly there for a second, which was blazing a trail. Um, you know, I actually, you know, if, if you have predetermined stands, you know, I'm, I'm guessing that, you know, it'd be a great suggestion to kind of go in and trim any branches back that you might need to get rid of or, you know, move any debris that's large debris that might trip you up on your way in and, and so forth. If you have a stand that you know that you're going to hang a set in or if you have a tree, you know, you're going to hang a set in. Um, you know, I think those are all all good tips. But I'm going to ask you a selfish question here because um, sure. I, I, I have a I have an area that I make noise in and I'm not quite sure how to combat it. 
Um, you know, I'm always concerned with, um, you know, scent control. Um, so for me, whenever I enter the woods, I often go in with as little clothing on as possible. So I basically just put on whatever my, whatever my, uh, base layer is. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of pack everything else in, uh, and I basically dress at the bottom of my, uh, tree before I climb. And I, I'm aware that I'm making noise when I do that because I'm getting my gear together. I'm unpacking all my stuff that I'm putting on my clothes and, you know, oftentimes I'm using a climber, so I don't really have the luxury usually to kind of clear out a spot around my tree to make sure it's just down to the dirt. So, mm. you know, I'm usually making some type of rustling uh, leaf sound as well. So do you have any suggestions for for a guy who wants to go uh, go go part naked into the woods and dress at the bottom <laughs> of his tree <laughs> to, to try to not spook the deer from his uh, nudity one, which you may not be able to help with, but my sound two, I think you might definitely be able to help me with. <laughs> I have a name of a psychiatrist that I... <laughs> No, I mean, that is tough because I do the same thing. You know, I hunt a lot of public land. So, like, a lot of it's, you know, I got a climber on my back and I'm going in and I'm kind of hunting as I go and finding a tree as I go. And, mm-hmm. you know, and then I'm getting out that, that night and I might not go back there. So, um, right. that is tough. And I think, you know, that is something that, you know, I think I'm going to be continuing improving on. But, one thing I do like to do is have a set of nippers or, you know, clippers that I can kind of clip things as I go in that are could potentially grab my clothing or clang against my stand. Mm-hmm. And then as I'm setting up, you know, you, you can kind of trim away that area and things that could potentially be a noise source. And, you know, things like rustling leaves is different than crunching leaves, I guess. Uh, right. You know, so it's about at that point it's about keeping it to a minimum and like you we said taking it slow you know hopefully you have you factored in enough time mm-hmm. so you're not in a huge rush and so you can really look at where you're putting your stand down um you know where you're stepping and stuff so you can just minimize those things and if you're just rustling a few leaves hopefully you know that's not going to be as bad as clang in a branch with your stand or crunching a you know wrist size branch and breaking that right i think it's just taking your time and really you know slowing down doing it right making sure that you're doing that quietly and getting up there as quiet as you can and you aren't going to eliminate every single noise but you'll keep them to a much lower level um right than if you're rushing or not paying attention Right. So, you know, we're at the bottom of the tree. I'm fully clothed now. I'm ascending. Right. <laughs> I'm in my tree. So what are some of the sounds that we as hunters are most guilty of when we're in the stand? So say, you know, we, we paid attention when we were at the truck. We did all of our preseason setup of our gear, making sure that we have every, all the, the, the sound ending devices that we can have. We, we, we got our buck bumper uh, and buck bumper thick and we put them on our on our stands and on any metal that we could that we could think of and we're up in our tree now that, you know we've done everything right to this point what are some of the things that are most common that we blow up our spot while we're in the stand when it comes to sound and how can we how can we uh how can we do away with or at least um conceal as much as we can those sounds um well that's a good question and that might be kind of specific or to the individual um Mm -hmm. depending on exactly what you use for equipment and all that um i know for me i like i self-film my hunts i've got a little extra gear so i've got a a ratchet strap that i have to put on to strap my camera arm up there so that is a noise source that i really have to be careful with 
the ratcheting part and, and all the metal parts that go along with that. There's a base, there's the arm, you know. Right. Um, you got your bow, hanger, maybe. Um, obviously, your weapon, you know, if you're going hunting mm-hmm. or bow hunting, that you can clang and all that stuff. Once you get that set up, you should be okay, you know, for the most part. Um, but it's, again, when you're moving, when those things can be a big problem. So um, for me, Personally, it is things like the ratchet strap or those metal, um, that metal base or the arm, uh, camera arm type things. But if you soundproof those, if you have a technique, which I kind of have a technique with the ratchet too, where I kind of hold it and grab it and as I'm ratcheting it, it, I go, I don't let it click. So you can learn things like that to you know really help yourself out and not just be up there ratcheting away um <laughs> making a bunch of racket uh but yeah it's about those motions and those contacts but once you're up there and sit you know if you're not moving around mm-hmm. uh, you should be good you know and right. it's about avoiding contact and when you're up there i say just sit still <laughs> <laughs> right yeah the uh the one thing you mentioned with the the camera gear it's like i can completely uh understand there last year was the first year that i did uh self-filming all year and i definitely noticed that was one of the sources of my sound you know because i'm using i don't use a ratchet strap but the camcorder i'm using is small enough i actually get away with using a small um a small swivel head uh and use a uh, a three section uh bow hanger that i put into the tree and i'm able to get away with that but i carry two of them one for my bow and one for um one of my cameras mm-hmm. and when they're in my bag they they do clang together every now and then and then i saw on your site um that you you were using i think it was the buck bumper uh the just the regular buck bumper and wrapping the can or wrapping the the bow hanger and when i saw that i was like man problem solved right there it's like <laughs> i'll be using my buck bumper this year to keep my bow hangers from banging together while i'm and also from whenever i put my head on my bow hanger for my uh for my camera will kind of solve probably 50 percent of my noise when i'm in the tree stand so i will uh, i will thank you in advance for that <laughs> you're welcome yeah <laughs> yeah it's, um, it's those little things yep yeah absolutely so, um, you know, we've gone over quite a few of the tips and I know you guys are beginning to put out, uh, products, uh, to help decrease sound. Um, so I know you kind of mentioned, you know, buck bumper and, and bump buck bumper thick, but can you, I guess you explain those just a, a little bit more. And if there are any products that we're, that we're looking for, um, in, in the future and, uh, and where folks might be able to find some, some information about that. Sure. Um, yeah, so we're just coming out with these. We actually are about halfway through a crowdfund which is how we kind of decided to launch our business, Sound Barrier. And uh, so we have crowdfund for Buck Bumper and Buck Bumper Thick. And really, Buck Bumper is a very simple solution to equipment noise. And like we've been talking, there's so many ways to clang, bang, clunk equipment. A lot of our equipment's metal, and it's not designed to be quiet. It really isn't. There's a lot of hollow metal or hollow plastic, and if you – make contact with that it's making noise and that you know that has ruined hunts for me it's ruined hunting areas and i don't want to take those chances so right what you do with buck bumper is this sound absorbent wrap that is uh, has a strong adhesive on it and you can wrap things like bow hangers like your uh camera arm like tree steps really anything and it will decrease uh sound by 70 percent or over 70 percent Wow. By putting that on, and so it's a real 
quick, easy solution. You know, you put it on at the beginning of the season and it's, you don't have to think about it. But it can really help you uh, with that. And then Buck Bumper Thick is, just like I said, a thicker uh, sound absorbent strip that is more for like bigger equipment where you don't want to wrap the whole right. stand or the whole climbing stick, which I guess you could do, but it's for contact points. For right. example, on a tree stand, you know, I was just hanging some this past weekend in Ohio, and there's these points on all tree stands where it's metal-to-metal contact, and as you're putting them up or hauling them or taking them down, they always find a way, you know, as you fold them up or whatever, to clang. They hit each other, and it's almost impossible, especially when you're, you know, up there trying to hang it, and it's a little bit awkward. So you can put this buck bumper thick on those contact points, and it just eliminates the possibility to clang it or bang it and you can do it for like for example tree sticks you know where you stack them together it creates a barrier there hence our name sound barrier barrier to sound and you know eliminate the the sound problem there so there's one buck bumper thick more for big type of equipment you can use it on shooting rails in a blind whatever where you're you know, contacting the gun to the shooting rail or whatever, and then the buck bumper, which is more of the thinner wrap, but they do the same thing. And, you know, it it's fairly cheap product. They can help in pretty big ways, uh, you know, where there's really no other products out there to that are really targeted to do that. So Right. I mean, it's it's one of those things where um, it's it's such a – such an easy solution that you're kind of giving hunters to where it's like you can really do the pre-work or the work in advance of the season and it takes no time and just what you mentioned earlier you're you're really reducing your sound with those particular pieces by up to 70 percent i mean who wouldn't who wouldn't take that you know what i mean if i can do if i can reduce my clanging of my my hanger uh my my bow hangers and my, and my camera equipment and stuff like that by 70 percent, it's like i'll take it all day and especially it's going to take me no time to apply it and then i can set it and forget it i don't have to worry about it right so even if you do that you're, you're helping yourself immensely right and you know they can get access to it our uh, like i said our crowdfund is where we're doing like pre-orders and we have different packages on there they can check out. But if you just go to kickstarter.com and search Buck Bumper, it should pop up. Or if you go to our website, soundbarrierhunting.com, or in the homepage there, there's a link to it as well. And, again, through the crowdfund, which I think we have like about 15 more days or so, mm-hmm. um, you know, it'll be a little cheaper. So that's kind of the incentive there. Uh, and that's just something – we're launching to get going and uh, trying to help guys out with uh, the problem we all have. Yeah, I think folks should definitely check out your your, your crowd crowdfund and get involved there. It's a, it's a an inexpensive solution, and like Adam said, you're you're going to get a deal if you're one of the first folks in during this crowdfund. And your website as well. I encourage everyone to hop on the Sound Barrier. Uh, hunting.com website um not only can you f- learn more about you know the products and stuff that are coming out but also i encourage folks to spend some time and look through the the videos um you guys have done a good job of putting videos together to kind of explain your various steps of, of sound concealment uh they're interesting listens you know obviously you touch on more than just sound concealment on some of your uh, on some of your videos find them super interesting um I'll enjoy spending time on your site have to admit i've, I've read or listened through all of them 
Um, and my favorite one, I think, was the uh, the one about the ghost. I think we traded a text message or a phone a phone call about that one. Oh, that was yeah. probably that was probably my uh, my favorite one. But you guys are also on so- social media, um, so I encourage. And I'll put all the uh, the links in the show notes for all the sites and so forth. But you know, visit these folks on you know visit Adam and his uh, his company on whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and I think you have a, a LinkedIn account as well, and as well as uh, YouTube. Uh, you can see all the all the videos. Um, but, th- uh, Adam, I just want to thank you for coming on. You're the first, uh, you're the inaugural guest of, uh, the truth from the stand podcast. Uh, appreciate you taking the time to kind of share all the information with us. I think it's good information. Um, uh, I'm, I'm hoping people jump on the crowdfunding and get you a bunch of dollars in your, in your pocket to get some of this product flying out the door and, uh, and, uh, hopefully helping some folks have some, some good hunting seasons and, and conceal some sound. Uh, thanks for having me, Clint. I really appreciate it. And, uh, Look forward to uh, talking some more, and yeah, hopefully uh, you have a good season, and uh, we can chat again sometime. Absolutely. We'll talk soon. Thanks so much. All right. That's it for today's show. We want to thank Adam Lewis for joining us today, helping uh, to share some tips and strategies for sound concealment. Make sure to visit soundbarrierhunting.com and all of Sound Barrier's social media sites, and make sure you give them a follow. All their links uh, will be in the show notes for this podcast. Also, uh, don't forget to download us or subscribe to us on iTunes. You can also find us on Stitcher and Google Play. And if you would be so kind, uh, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. We would be much appreciative of that. Uh, Until next time, y'all take care. Thanks. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace microdosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.